Hey, today I want to take your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. I want to talk to you about the topic of what do you smell like? Some of you are, uh uh-oh. What do I smell like? We all have an odor. We all have a smell. And I'm not talking about your physical odor or smell, but I'm talking about something a little bit more compelling than that, your spiritual smell. You know, a couple months ago, I was invited uh, by a pastor who is trying to raise money to build a community center on the south side. His name is Pastor Corey Brooks. They call him the Rooftop Pastor. And he's raising money to build a community center, and he's sleeping on the top of this, um, basically some uh, railroad carts that they put together on a tent up there in what they call Block O. The rappers rap about it, O Block. Uh, At one time, it was one of the most dangerous blocks in the city of Chicago. There's some housing projects not too far away from it. And so... I spent the night on top of the, this with this brother in a, another tent, and in the morning it was really cold and chilly, and so uh, they had a fire that was the only way that they were keeping warm, a fire pit, and they kept putting wood on the fire, and we did a radio interview uh, from the top of that uh, rooftop. And uh, so I sat around this fire pit probably for about an hour and a half talking, The smoke kept blowing over on me. And then when I came down, I noticed, hey, I smell kind of like fire, like smoke. And um, a little while back, I was walking somewhere. I ran into one of my family members, and they they were like, whoa, Dad, you really smell. This smells strong. Where you been? I said, well, I was around the fire, a fire pit. And so I smelled. Then I ran into someone else, and they said, whoo, you really smell. Man, you smell like you've been in a in a forest fire or something. He said, yeah, I've been around a a fire pit. And here's what struck me as I walked away. What struck me is this. When you're around something, you typically pick up the odor of what you're around. And if you're around it long enough, then you pick up the odor more and more. So whatever you hang around a lot, is what you tend to start to smell like. Now, I know some of you I'm talking to aren't really churchgoers here. Someone invited you, so maybe today you put a little mint in your breath because you smell like liquor and you smell like the bar that you were in last night. If it is you, I am so glad you're here today. Welcome to New Life Community Church. But I want to talk to you today. What do you smell like is the question that I want to ask you. What do you smell like? Whatever you've been hanging out with, whatever you've been around a lot, whatever you've made your environment is typically what you start smelling like. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this is written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote two letters, 1 Corinthians, and by the way, Corinthians is what we call it, but he was writing to the people that were in Corinth. Corinth was a party town. 
If you wanted to call someone a partier back in those days, you would say, you're a Corinthian because they were known to be a, a place that had a lot of drinking, a lot of sailors, a lot of carousing. They were a wild town, and Paul had helped plant a church in a wild town called Corinth, and he wrote a letter to them in the beginning, the first letters to correct all the crazy things they were doing. They were getting drunk at communion. Some guy was sleeping with his fathers with his stepmother and there was divisions and there was chaos in the church. He was trying to correct them. And then he wrote a second letter to see how they dealt with the first letter called 2 Corinthians. That's what we're in. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. What do you smell like? I'm going to start reading in verse 14. The Apostle Paul says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the aroma that brings death and to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, your surrendered life is the aroma of God. Your surrendered life is the aroma of God. Look at what he says. But thanks be to God. The Apostle Paul is thanking God for the Corinthians, who many of them have been very wild people before, crazy lifestyles. But he says, thanks be to God that you have changed, and you're no longer who you used to be. God has gotten a hold of you. And he says, thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Uh, this is only the second time this word is used in the Greek New Testament. Triumphal procession. You say, well, what's he talking about? Well, in the days that Paul was writing, the entire Judea and all of Israel was under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire lasted for about 900 years, and the Romans methodically conquered the world region by region, country by country. They had a massive army, and this massive army would go and they conquered pretty much the known world of the time. They would conquer, and then they would let the conquered people rule the region. Every time they conquered a region, or every time they conquered a, co a country, they uh, elevated the general. And so when they conquered a region, or a people, or a country, they would do a massive procession, a parade, down the streets of Rome to celebrate the conquering. At the front of the parade, they would have the general, and they would have his top military commanders. And then they would have banners, and they would have garlands of flowers, and they would have incense, and they would have trumpeteers as they walked in this massive parade through the streets of Rome by, while people cheered on other, either sides. And towards the tail of the parade, they would have some of the key people that they conquered, some of the leaders of the country that they conquered, in chains walking with them, and the general would go ahead, and they would celebrate, and people would cheer, and it was a massive, massive celebration. Paul is referring to that image. 
And he says, Christ is the one who has conquered. This is a massive procession, and all those of us who have been conquered by Christ are in this massive procession, and we trail behind Christ who is one victorious, and the aroma of his conquering, the incense, the garland, it spreads to everybody around us, so everybody smells the victory, the conquering that Christ has brought about. Now listen to me well. This is really huge. What the Apostle Paul is saying is that you and I, at one time in our life, and not everybody in this auditorium, maybe it's true of, but many people it's true, there came a point in your life in which you wrestled with God and you finally surrendered to Jesus Christ and you said, my life is no longer mine. My life belongs to you, God. It's no longer my will but yours. I surrender to you. I determine that you are my Lord. I choose to follow you. Now you run my life. I used to run my life. Now you run my life. And as we follow Jesus in triumphal procession, as we walk around the world, wherever we go, we, uh, we spread the aroma, the smell of Christ wherever we go because we've been close to Christ, around Christ, and people smell the Jesus in us. Now, this is really important. Follow me. Follow me because this is huge. Listen. What makes you smell like Jesus is the fact that you have surrendered your life to Christ and you are no longer leading your life, but He is leading you. And I want you to catch this. Don't, don't lose this. It says, who always leads us. Can I tell you this? Some, sometimes people believe that in this world there's a battle between good and evil. And they hold their breath wondering whether good is going to win. I already know who wins. I've read the end of the Bible. Jesus conquers. He wins with power and might. There's a triumphal procession. Jesus conquered death. He conquered when He came. He died on the cross. He conquered death. He gave life. He's opened the door for everybody that wants to follow him to become a, a follower of Jesus. But in order to follow Jesus, we have to surrender our life. We have to bow our knee. We no longer lead our own lives. Now he leads us. And wherever we go, once we are followers of Jesus, we've been around Jesus. We're part of Jesus. And wherever we go now, the aroma of Christ is around us. Anybody that's around us for a while, they start smelling Jesus on us. Why? Because our life is no longer ours. He's leading us in triumph. Because wherever we go now, people start smelling whatever you've been around, you smell like. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that now that you're followers of Jesus, and I'm a follower of Jesus, wherever you go, you bring about the aroma of Jesus. People start smelling the fragrance of God, the presence of God the goodness of God around you. And that's what the Apostle Paul is referring to. He uses this image and he says, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. 
What is the knowledge of him as you spread the gospel, as you love people, as you pray for people, as you live a different kind of life, as people see a different kind of attitude in you? People should be around you as a follower of Jesus looking at your life and saying, you smell different. What's up with you? Your attitude is not the same. You don't view life the same. You you, there's something about you that's different. I'm not sure what it is, but it's different. Uh, secondly, the Apostle Paul goes on, and he says, For we are God, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. The second thing that I want you to write down is this, is that your smell of Jesus will cause a spiritual reaction in people around you. Uh, Paul goes on to say that, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma that brings death and to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying is that when the Spirit of God lives in you, when you have surrendered your life to Christ, when He is leading you, wherever you go, wherever you work, wherever you study, wherever you drive, you bring about the presence of God. Here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that the moment that you become a believer, God's address becomes your body. Because you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so now, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Some people talk about going to church. They say we're going to the house of God. When you're a believer, you carry the presence of God with you wherever you go. You go to work, and now it's the house of God. You go to the gym, and this is God's gym. You start driving, this is God's car. You get in the expressway, this is God's expressway. Because wherever you go, you carry the presence of God with you. You carry, you don't just come to church to say, oh, God is present in the building. No, that's an old mentality. In the Old Testament, people would go to the tabernacle or to the temple, and the presence of God was in the temple. But in the New Testament, uh, the temple, the presence of God is no longer just in a building, in a temple. The presence of God is in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now you carry the aroma of Jesus wherever you go. Here's the thing about aromas or scents. Sometimes a smell will attract us, and sometimes a smell will repel us. How about it? Have you ever walked down a street and smelled a bakery? And it makes you just pause, like, wow, man, that smells good. Let me just check it out a moment. Why? And you're just drawn to the smell of something that smells good, something that you know is appetizing. And you just say, let me check it out. And you smell it. And, uh, because when, when something smells good, it draws you, it attracts you, it brings you to something. There's something about an aroma that attracts you to it. But have you ever been around something that smells bad? Don't point to your husband right now. Have you ever been around something that smells bad? Because when something smells bad, you're like, ooh, get it away from me. 
I don't know. My, my wife has this thing. She, she says, um, she gets in the refrigerator and she says, uh, I think this is past its due date. Mark, can you smell it? No, I don't want to smell it. It's like, why am I the smell guy? I, 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 she doesn't want to smell it herself because she's like, no, I don't want to smell that nasty stuff. In case it's bad, I want you to smell it. Have you ever opened up your refrigerator after being gone for a long time and opened up and said, whoa, what's going on? Something smells or your garbage and, whoa, take the garbage out. It smells. You want to get away from something that smells bad, but you're drawn to something that smells good. Listen to me well. As a follower of Jesus Christ and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, you have the smell of God on you. In fact, the more you walk with God, the more you commune with God, the more you surrender to God, the greater the smell of God is on you. And you will have a reaction with people around you. What the Apostle Paul is telling us is that for some people, you smell like life. They're drawn to the smell. They want to be around it. They're they're drawn to the God inside of you. There's hope inside of you. There's love. There's life. There's the presence of God. And so for those that are seeking life and those that are seeking God and those that experience life, they're drawn to it. They want more of it. They're attracted to it. it. It awakens something inside of them because you smell like God. To those that are rejecting God, To those that are stubborn, those that want to walk in their own ways, those that are rebellious, those that want to pursue their own life, those that do not want to submit to God, the smell of God in you repulses them, pushes them away, causes a a viral reaction towards who you are. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever been around people when you talk about God and when they find out you're a Christian, they're drawn And others, when you talk about God, they find out you're a Christian, they're like, ah, get away from me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that happens to? I I have to be honest with you. I travel quite a bit, and so I'm forced to sit with people on the plane beside me that I don't know. And I'm always very cautious to tell them that I'm a pastor to begin with. Because what I notice is that as soon as they find out I'm a Christian pastor, They're either like, yeah, or they're like, let me move seats. There's a reaction. And so I kind of, I kind of, I don't tell them right away. What do you do? I coach, coach people in certain ways of life. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm a teacher, you know, I teach and I, 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 I don't tell them right away because what I realize is that when I tell someone Well, first of all, if I've talked to someone and they find out I'm a pastor, then suddenly they try to clean up their language and uh, they start thinking, how many times did I swear? And, and, um, and, And then they start trying to be real religious and they start using all the religious language they know and... And, and pulling out every scripture they know, and every time they visited a holy site, they want to tell me about it. I, I don't want to hear how religious you are. I just want to be you. But sometimes people have a visceral reaction when they found out you're a believer and they pull away or they pull towards. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the aroma of God. Wherever you go, you either draw people to Christ or your aroma, your talk, your persona, your attitude 
Your influence has a reaction that pushes people away. People that are bound for death, it smells like death to them. People that are bound to life, it smells like life to them. In the Roman processions, there was the conquering people that were part of the victorious thing. And oftentimes there were people at the end that were going to be slaughtered or slain at the end. And so when they saw the garland and the incense, to them it was about death. To others it was about life. Can I tell you something about being a follower of Jesus Christ? I want you to understand that not everybody will be happy that you're a follower of Jesus. We live in a world that is not necessarily always sympathetic towards Christianity. We live in a world, and I want to prepare you to live in a world that is more and more secular and to be people that are gracious and salt-filled and and people that are able to connect graciously with the world that doesn't always understand Christians. But I want to tell you something about it. Your Christianity causes a reaction in people. Don't be afraid of that reaction. Jesus Christ himself, the people said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then some of those same people said, crucify, crucify, crucify. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then you need, to, you need to toughen up your skin and realize there are people that are going to hate me for the mere fact that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And there's people that are going to be drawn to the light that I have because I follow Jesus the Christ. That is part of your calling in life is that as you bring about the aroma of Christ, there will be a reaction towards the aroma for and against. So get ready for it. And can I also remind you that they're not always just rejecting you, they're rejecting the Christ that is in you. Then the Apostle Paul goes on, and I want you to see what he says. He says, for we are God's pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? In other words, the, the Apostle Paul says, we are carrying the presence of God. We are carrying the aroma of God with us, but how can we be worthy of such a task? Can I tell you something today? I've heard a bunch of testimonies this morning of people getting baptized. Some of them were testimonies of brokenness, of hurt, of trauma. You may look at your life today and you say, how could I ever be the aroma of Christ in this world? How am I, how can I ever measure up to people smelling God in me? I just want to tell you this. It's not about you. It's about Christ in you. It's not about you, it's about allowing Christ to manifest himself in you. And sometimes your brokenness and hurt and difficulty and challenges in life, when God gets a hold of them, he makes the smell even sweeter because as God's healing begins to work in your life, it creates an aroma of beauty, of taking the brokenness and bringing healing, taking the our messes 
and creating good out of our messes, and I believe it makes the aroma of Christ even stronger. So never be afraid of the brokenness that is in your life. And Paul says, who are we that we are carriers of that aroma? In other words, Paul is saying, we are mere mortals. We have our own issues. How can we carry the aroma of God in our life, seeing that we are so broken and have so many faults, but it is God at work in us, not us at work in God. And then he goes on lastly, and he says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. So the last thing that Paul says, write this down, a watered-down gospel loses the power of its scent. What, what, what he says is this, is that Paul is saying that in his day, there were people that were watering down the gospel so that it would be more palatable to the society around them. And Paul is saying, we are not like those who water down the message so that it's acceptable. Because when you water down the message of the gospel, it starts to lose its strength, its potency, its power, its smell. The more you water down the gospel, and here's what's happened, and if we're not careful, it can happen in pulpits all across America. As the gospel becomes more controversial, as it challenges people, as it offends people, there's a tendency to try to water it down. There's a tendency to try to make it more acceptable. There's a tendency not to go to the hard places. There's a tendency to say, well, maybe the gospel's going to offend people, so let's water the gospel down. But the more we water the gospel down, the more it loses its power to influence. I have uh, a cologne here. I brought one that my wife doesn't really like. It's the backup. Anybody have backups? Like when you wear it, they're like, what, what, what are you wearing? And so it's, it's just the backup. But, you know, if I were to say, I want this to go further, I want it to last longer, and I put some water in it, it would still smell. But the more water I put in it, the more water I put in it, the more water I put in it, then the less and less it smells until it gets to the point where it barely smells at all. Why? Because it's been diluted with water. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that way. If we dilute the gospel, if we fill it with acceptable messages and water it down, it goes more, it reaches more, but it's less powerful. Are you tracking with me? Let me tell you something about Christianity, and this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I will not water down the gospel like some people do, but I will preach it with sincerity and power because it's the unwatered-down gospel that has the ability to attract people to God. Let me tell you this. The gospel and the message of Jesus is offensive to some people. There's no getting around it. Jesus is very clear. If you want to come and follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
That's offensive. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man. It's Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to God. The Bible says there's one way to God, and that's Jesus. That's offensive. The Bible says you're living in sin, and he defines sin in many different ways. And most of us, if it's our sin, it's offensive. The, you know how many guys I've had to put my arm around and say, hey, stop sleeping with your girlfriend now that you're a believer. You either have to move out or couch it till you get married. That's offensive to people. The gospel is a narrow way, the Bible says, and there are few that find it. The way that leads to destruction is wide, and there's many people that find it. The gospel requires that you surrender yourself. The gospel requires that you die to yourself. The gospel says you die to yourself and you embrace a Savior as Lord of your life. Now it's no longer your life, but it's God leading and ruling your life. Listen, the reason that our testimony isn't more potent is many of us are still leading our own lives. Many of us are still ruling our own lives, and so we've watered down the gospel in our lives so people barely can tell that we're believers. People can barely smell the Jesus in us. When we have surrendered our life to God, when He is filling us, when we're walking in the Spirit, when we're walking around Him, then people will begin to notice the difference, smell the difference, understand the difference, because it is God in us, fully saturating us, and the more you're around God, the more you smell like God, the more that people tell the difference, the more that people see the difference, and the more powerful the influence in our lives.